0: better be now all right go ahead and take your bibles and turn to acts 21 i thought i cut that thing home oh it's always my fault um acts 21 as you're turning there i got a couple quick things i want to say if you're a first-time visitor uh my name jesse herring i'm the head pastor here at red cross and it's so good to have you here uh it's also good to see some familiar faces returning including tina and roger Want you guys to know that our church is still praying for y'all uh, with the loss of your sister, and we love you. Um, and you know, if there's anything that we can do, um, let us know, and uh, we would love to help out. Um, and I know that church families have already been reaching out and have already served you guys. And and so, on behalf of Tina and Roger to the church family, I want to say thank you. Uh, she wanted me to, or she 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 talked about doing a thank you card. I told her she didn't have to. I said, I, I'll just say something for her, but she wants to say thank you for all those that have called, reached out, delivered meals, uh, and, and, and we're praying, uh, through this trying time. And so it is so good to be a part of such a loving church family. I do see many people out on vacation this weekend. <sighs> Lucky y'all. And, uh, but you guys are here. Lucky you. So yeah. So, uh, Acts 21, um, I'm excited about this text of scripture. Um, this chapter in and in, in of itself is going to be a blessing. And so if you're, if you're at Acts 21, beginning of verse 1, we say word. word. Awesome. If you will stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. Acts 21. We're going to go verses 1 through 16. <clears throat> and when we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come inside of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days, and through the Spirit they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey and they all with wives and children accompanied us until we were outside the city and kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemais, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the the will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem, and some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. And thus concludes the third missionary journey of Paul. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. Help us as we seek to dive and to mine the riches of the truth of your word this morning. Pray that you would use it as you see fit. We ask this in your son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I've mentioned this guy's name before. I highly recommend his autobiography, which you can get on Amazon or Banner of Truth website. But John Payton was a missionary to the New Hebrides. He had served for 10 years as a pastor in Glasgow, Scotland, and he felt a burden and a call to reach the New Hebrides with the gospel. Now, these islands, these islands had cannibalistic people living on them that is who he was trying to reach these people who were cannibals now as the as the story goes he was trying to raise money and, and he was he was receiving opposition everywhere people were not happy that he was willing to risk his life to go and share the gospel with these cannibals in fact one guy in in the middle of John Payton's speech to a group of people to receive funds, one guy yells out, you will be eaten by cannibals. Well, John Payton responds by saying, I confess to you, if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or eaten by worms. And in the great day, my resurrection body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our Redeemer. Wow. I mean, like if you're going to a place where you're fearful to to be eaten by other people. I mean, that's a scary thought. Hunted and eaten by people. And this is what you respond with. That takes some faith. It takes some conviction and some courage to do that. And how do we know that he may be eaten by cannibals? Missionaries who already went before him had already gone through it. They died from cannibals. Now, Peyton could not be persuaded to stay. In fact, he went to the New Hebrides. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of our sermon. But in today's text, we see Paul, who was being who's being persuaded by people to not go to Jerusalem. Now, we, we know by looking at prior chapters of the, of, of, of the book of Acts that, that Paul's journey right now, he's trying to get to Jerusalem. He's got money raised from other churches to help support Christians in Jerusalem who are in need. And he's trying to get there by Pentecost, which is why you see in verses one through 16, it's very quick Where Paul's staying one night, meeting with some people next day. He's leaving, staying a few nights, meeting with some people next day, leaving. He's trying to get to Jerusalem. But people are trying to persuade him not to go. Why? Because persecution and suffering awaits him in Jerusalem. He, like Peyton and many other missionaries, could not be persuaded to stay. Why? Why? Because his heart is for Jesus and for God's will for his life. Now, what I want to get across to you this morning is this. Here's the main idea. Following Christ is costly, but it's worth it. Following Christ is costly, but it's worth it. Now, I've got three reasons or three ways that we can see this in this text. So the first way, let's just dive right into it. First way. As we are following Christ, we seek the approval of God over the approval of man. As we are following Christ, we seek the approval of God over the approval of man. Look at verse 1. And when we had parted, now we see that Paul is leaving at the end of, of, of Acts 20 the Ephesian elders. It was a very tearful and bittersweet departure. And and, and even when the word parted in the Greek really means tore away, this was hard for them. Paul was tore away from the Ephesian elders, ripped away. They didn't want him to go because they knew, as what Paul told him, this will be the last time you will see me in this life. But he parted from them and set sail now remember, this is Luke talking, all right? And so this is Luke and Paul. We, we came by a straight course to Kos and the next day to Rhodes and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come in, inside of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload its cargo. This is like Captain's Log from Star Trek, right? Verse 4, and having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, listen, through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. Now, it sounds weird, right? sounds contradictory, because in chapter 20... Paul is saying, I am compelled by the spirit to go to Jerusalem, but now he is, he has met some people here and they, and it says here that through the spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Now me and Leto had a conversation about this a couple weeks back. Now, what does that mean? Is it, is it the spirit telling Paul one thing and telling these other believers another thing? Cause he wouldn't do that, right? The Spirit would not bring about confusion. It's not what the Spirit does. Uh, I've, been, I've, I've been told of stories. There was one pastor one time who, who had a church member come up to him and said, uh, Hey, pastor, um, God's been really talking to me lately, and he's been wanting me to let you know that, that your sermons are a little too long. You probably need to cut about 10 minutes shorter. And the pastor looks at him, and he's like, That ain't what God's telling me. God's telling me should probably go a little longer. But... The Spirit does not cause confusion. So why does it seem this is contradictory? What, it, what, what a lot of commentators and scholars and what the text can really show is that these members, the, these, these believers, are, they are being, being told by the Spirit what Paul's going to encounter. And they, through being told what Paul's going to encounter, is trying to tell Paul, don't go. It's dangerous. You're going to lose your life. You're going to suffer. Don't go. But Paul, in verses 5 and 6, we see that he still goes. In verse 5, they, they have a, a time where, where they're all kneeling down on the beach and they're praying together and they say farewell to one another and then he goes on board the ship and they continue going. As we are following Christ, we seek the approval of God over the approval of man. Hear me say this. There are going to be people in your life who are going to tell you, you should not do that because that's too dangerous. I know of many people who, when they felt the call to go into missions or even into ministry, I had people in my life try and and tell me, it's not going to be a good life. It's not going to be a fun life. You're not going to make a lot of money. Who cares? I mean, like, there's just so many things people try to tell you, don't do it, do something else. But yet when we are called by God, when, when God is pulling us to do something, when, when we're striving to be in God's will, we do not seek the approval of man, but the approval of God. Paul even tells us in, in Galatians 1.10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. There are going to be things that that, that I believe our church should do or our church should sing or how we do certain things that you may not agree with. That you may not think it is a good idea. But what you've got to understand is, is, is as a leader, as we're following Christ, we don't seek the approval of man. Now, a lot of people in leadership have a fear of man. But the Bible tells us that we are not to fear those who can kill the body, but we are to fear the one who can kill both body and spirit and throw the soul in hell. I mean, we do not seek the approval of man. We seek the approval of God. Now, sometimes they can be the same. But we always seek the approval of God over man. Now, these people, they were were sincere. They were not not trying to do something wrong here. They cared for Paul. They they wanted Paul to, 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 to live and to not suffer. But church, let me tell you this. Christianity is not a call to safety and security. Christianity is actually a call to suffer. We are not promised a good and healthy life. We're not promised a safe life, and if you're if you are in here this morning and you were you're going to argue with me that Christianity is a belief of safety and security, go tell that to the Afghanistan church right now, who's being slaughtered daily because they believe in Jesus. We are not promised safety. We are called to seek the approval of God. People are going to try and and persuade you to not follow Christ and his will. This may be coming from friends or family or even people inside the church. People are going to try and and persuade you to not do certain things. But if you're called to it, if you're called to be obedient, let me ask you this. I know we got some young people in here, college students, high school students. Are you willing to lose friends Because you have a desire to obey God more than their approval. I mean, are you willing to give them up for the sake of the approval of God? Because your friends are going to want you to do stuff or persuade you to do stuff that are not Christ like. Too often we want their approval, We we, we want their friendship. Too often we want our parents' approval. But the thing is, is we're not called to seek their approval. We're called to seek the approval of God. And hear hear what I'm saying. When I say the approval of God, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about being obedient to be saved. I'm talking about being faithful and obedient for the glory and the joy of God. What's the phrase John Piper always says? God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. We seek his approval in our lives, not the approval of man. So that should be our desire as we follow Christ. That was John Payton's desire. Many people try to talk him out of going to the New Hebrides. But he had a, he, he had a burden. He wanted to go. He wanted to go. He knew he had to. Not only are we called to seek the approval of God second, as we are following Christ, we seek to obey the word of God over the word of man. Not only are we seeking the approval of God, but we seek to obey the word of God. Look at verse 7. After they had had began sailing again, verse 7, when we had finished the voyage from Tyre, We arrived at Ptolemais and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit. And the same thing happens. Got Philip, the the evangelist, one of the seven that was called out of the church uh, from Acts 6. And he's got four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Now, women were able to prophesy. I think it was Book of Joel that, that said that. That women, men and women, sons and daughters will prophesy. Well, even he meets Agabus, a prophet. Who gives a prophecy, even shows and acts out this prophecy, that the Holy Spirit says, You will suffer. Now, the Holy Spirit is not saying, Don't go because you will suffer. The Holy Spirit is saying, You will suffer. Verse 12, when we heard this, we, even Luke, Luke, the daughters, Philip, Agabus, Everybody, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. But what does Paul say? What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart for I am not. I am ready not only to be in in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Church, we are called to seek to obey the word of God over the word of man. Man will try and tell us how we should live our lives. Man will try and tell you, you should not do that. I mean, we live in in a world in which we are called to be tolerant of all things. But yet, the Bible tells us that we are to love people. But more than we love people, we are to love Christ. Christ. We are to seek holiness. We are to stand against the culture when the culture stands against God's word. We are called to obey the word of God over the word of man. Now this doesn't mean that we shouldn't seek counsel from people. I am constantly seeking counsel from other pastors. And I'm thankful for for men in my life who have pastored longer than I have. And they've been through more than i have there there is help there is a benefit in seeking counsel from people but when that counsel goes against god's word that's when we neglect it that's when we 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 reject it we are called to obey the word of god over the word of man and that's what paul's doing here they all know what's going to happen You're going to suffer, Paul says. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) I mean, can you imagine that? A lot of us we deal with anxiety, fear of the future because we don't even know what's coming. We're we're uncertain of the future, but Paul's being told what's coming. You're gonna suffer. Okay, bring it on. Why are you willing to do that, Paul? Why are you willing to suffer? Why are you willing to go into a city knowing that you're going to be bound and chained up? Because for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because there's nothing that I seek more in this life than to know Christ. There's nothing greater in this life than Jesus This is why Paul seeks to obey the word of God over the word of man. Because he knows that Jesus is worth it. Is Jesus worth it to you? Or is it so easy for you to obey the word of man over the word of God? Is it so easy for you to turn from from God in his word? And I would say the reason why is because you don't see Christ as true treasure. He's worth it. And I know, I've mentioned it already in this sermon, but the church in Afghanistan, the suffering that they're going through right now. We have received correspondence from them. And they, like Paul, are ready To suffer and die for Jesus, because they see Christ as worth it. But for us in America, when times get hard and people start freaking out over what are they going to do to believers, I mean, I remember when the same-sex marriage issue got voted in 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 the Supreme Court, and the Twitter sphere went nuts. What's going to happen with the church? What's going to happen with the people? Where's our freedom at now? Let me tell you, God's word does not promise us freedom in this world. The only freedom we get is freedom from our sin. And that's the best freedom we can have. Bring on the chains. We are no longer shackled to our sin and shame. Christ has set us free from it. Bring on imprisonment because we no longer are going to face the imprisonment of death and hell. We are set free from that because Christ has defeated it on our behalf. We should be a people who strive to be obedient to the word of God over the word of man. Because what what does Romans 8 tell us? What can man do to us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Church, I, I know we've, we've wrestled with a lot lately. But all I'm seeing is, is just the church is being tested and tried on its faithfulness to the word of God. A lot of people right now are throwing out the word revival. We need revival in our land. We need revival in our churches. But, but here's the problem. Nobody's defining what that revival looks like. What does that revival look like? People walking the aisle and getting saved. Churches busting at the seams. Let me tell you, we can can grow a big church if you've got the right stuff, but it's the wrong methods. What does true revival look like? True revival, I believe, in the church and in in, in America is a return to the word of God. Where, where the church will stand faithful on the word of God, on the preaching of the word of God, on the obedience of the word of God. And we've neglected this. The church has neglected this. The believers are neglecting this. We spend more time on social media. And I'm preaching to myself. We spend more time on social media, binge watching TV shows. We spend more time on, the, on, on watching the news than we do in this book. And no wonder we're so confused about how we should live this life. No wonder we're so confused and fearful of the future because we've turned from the Word of God. So, church, we are called to seek to obey the Word of God over the Word of man. Because what are they trying to do here? They're bringing, they're trying to incite fear into Paul. Paul, don't go, you're going to die. Don't go, you're going to suffer. You see, Paul Paul isn't isn't even looking at the suffering of himself. Paul's looking at the suffering that Christ has already done on his behalf. Paul's eyes are not on the prison. Paul's eyes are on the cross. Paul's eyes are not on his circumstances. Paul's eyes are on Jesus. Jesus. I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. This is very similar to Jesus' discussion with the disciples about him going to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you. Well, yeah. Church, we should seek to obey the word of God over the word of man. John Piper once said, when all these pastors, that these celebrity pastors, we got all these people we listen to. I know you guys got several people. Um, I've visited some, some uh, shut-ins, and we've offered DVDs and CDs of our services, and they're like, nah, I'm okay. I got Charles Stanley. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, okay. You know how I feel now, but no. Um, but uh, we've got these preachers and these pastors that we look up to. I know y'all do. I do. I've got preachers and pastors in my life that I look, look, I look up to. I listen to often. But when these guys are gone and done away with, and when these books that keep coming out are done and we no longer have them, the only thing we're going to have is this Bible. And we need to know it. We need to master it. Because there's going to come a day where it may even be illegal for us to even have a Bible. When we were at Myrtle Beach a couple years ago, we we were walking around town. Me, me and Leto decided to walk around when everybody was sharing the gospel with people and and we had to go hunt down a Bible at the at the hotel and we were trying to find the homeless guy that we, we were going to give it to. We couldn't find him, but we ended up running into this lady who was from was she from Asia or China? China. Which is in Asia, right? Is that what you're laughing about? <laughs> China. Um I'm a preacher, guys. Um and so but when we gave it to her, because she, she just heard the gospel, Leto, had, L- Leto shared it with her, and we gave her the Bible. And then as we were walking away, she said she, said she was going back to China here in the next week or, or so. My question was, is, is she going to be able to carry that through customs? I don't know. I, 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 think, I don't think you can carry a Bible through customs in China. I'm not 100% sure, but there are countries across this world where having this book is illegal. It's, it's illegal. That's amazing. We have it. We have it in, in, a, in, in abundance. I mean, I can, I can find Bibles for days. And we have translations galore. And we can read it Whenever and however, it's on our phones. And yet we neglect it. Are you hungry for it? We seek, we should seek to obey the word of God over the word of man. Number three, finally, number three, as we're following Christ, not only should we seek the approval of God, not only should we seek to obey the word of God, but thirdly, as we're following Christ, we value Christ over our own lives. value Christ over our own lives verse 13 then Paul answered what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart for I am ready not only to be in prison but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus and since he would not be persuaded we ceased and said let the will of the Lord be done After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem, and some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. He's going to Jerusalem, being warned countless times you're going to suffer. A couple of weeks ago we looked at Acts 20. Verse 24, Paul said, But I do not account my life as of any value, nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul values Christ over his own life. No matter what suffering comes, no matter what imprisonment comes no matter what the future holds christ is worth more than any of that we don't know what our future holds church we don't even know if we'll be here next week our lives are short bible tells us they're a vapor they're a mist and a lot of times we get so consumed with the uncertain future We get anxious and depressed and we worry and worry and worry. See, Paul, Paul did not look at the uncertain future. Paul looked to Christ. And again, I think of the church in Afghanistan. They, they are valuing Christ more than their own lives. Did you know that right now, right now, In the midst of suffering, persecution, even this church being slaughtered, the underground church in Afghanistan is growing. It's growing. The church in America is dying. They don't care about the the danger. They don't care about the threat on their lives. They care about Jesus. And they want to worship him and they want to make him known. Jesus is worth it. They're risking their lives going to church, gathering together. They're risking their lives knowing that if they get caught gathering together worshiping Jesus, they will die. This is not a we're going to imprison you. This is not a we're going to handcuff you and put you on trial. The Taliban are killing Christians in Afghanistan. And just like Paul, they don't care about the danger. Paul knows he's called to suffer for Christ. Acts 9, 16. Jesus said, for I will show him how much he must suffer For the sake of my name. Paul knows he's called to suffer for Christ. In church, we are called to suffer for Christ. There there are verses in the Bible that talk about safety and security, but it's talking about finding refuge in God. It's talking about finding hope in God. It's talking about being under the shadow of the Almighty. That's what those verses are talking about. There's more scripture talking about when suffering comes, when persecution comes. Jesus tells us that, 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 that when 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 they hate you, understand that they hated me first. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. I mean, he, he, bring, he, he talks a lot about suffering. But we should value Christ even over our own lives. 1 Peter 2.20, For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Paul's not going to be imprisoned for sin. Paul's not going to be imprisoned doing something against God's word Paul's going to be beaten and bruised and suffer and shackled for sharing the gospel and we're afraid to share the gospel with people because we're afraid that their words are going to hurt our feelings First Peter three fourteen. but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake you will be blessed have no fear of them Nor be troubled. Don't fear those who oppose you. Don't fear those who will persecute you. 1 Peter 4.16. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in, in that name. We're called to value Christ over our own lives. We're called to suffer for righteousness sake. 1 Peter 5.10, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Church, we're going to suffer. We're going to go through storms within our lives in which suffering comes. Whether that suffering is from disease or loss of loved one or or. Uh, fatal accident, when that suffering comes because of health issues or or lack of income or whatever that suffering may be, understand, understand that Christ is still worth more than anything that this life has to offer, whether it is good or bad. Paul says in Philippians 4 that In all circumstances, I have learned to be content. If anyone is is in Christ, he is a... I'm sorry. (laughs) Understand, church. Even in suffering. Even in suffering, we're blessed. And Paul knows that. Paul knows that. John Payton, despite the persuasion from people, followed Christ by going to the New Hebrides. And he suffered. Ended up losing a child. Lost his wife. Lost missionary friends. Had his life threatened on a daily basis. One of the most interesting out of the autobiography was there was one of the one of the cannibals had a had an armed um, gun, rifle, to his back, and finger on the trigger, ready to go. And walked around with John Peyton the entire day, with a gun to him, as Peyton shared the gospel with him, as Peyton farmed, as Peyton worked, as he met with other people, as he ate. For the whole day, this guy had a gun to his back. His life was threatened on a daily basis. But, but, he ended up through faithfulness in Christ, even serving Lord's Supper elements to former cannibals that had repented and placed their trust in Jesus. He was faithful in his suffering and God used him mightily. From that time, there was hardly anybody on the New Hebrides who were believers. Now, I believe the percentage is 90% of the New Hebrides are Christian. And it started with Peyton. Church, we are called to follow Christ no matter the cost. We're called to follow Christ no matter how costly it, it, it may be. Because following Christ is costly, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Is he worth it to you? Through your suffering, are you able to look to Jesus? Through your anxieties, are you able to look to the cross? Are you able to rest in knowing that Christ is sovereign and supreme and ruler and redeemer and sustainer and savior, and yet he has called you to be one of his? Are you willing to suffer for that? I pray you are, because he suffered for you. Let's pray. Father God, you are... You are so good. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we go into this time, as we have this time of invitation and prayer, you would help us to look to you, to look to the cross, no matter what that suffering, no matter what suffering we may be dealing with, no matter what anxieties we may have. God, help us to understand that following Christ may be costly, but it's worth it. Help us to have the perspective of Paul. Ready to suffer for righteousness sake. God help us. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.